Hi, I'm Scott David Chase, and this is the For the Love of Film podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, On this episode, I'm going to talk about Captain Marvel, the latest Marvel Cinematic Universe outing. A film that came out in 2015 called Sleeping with Other People. And uh, the next installment in the River Phoenix uh, filmography. I saw, I I watched another two of his films. I watched uh, I Love You to Death. And I watched Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. So, um, and both of those I had seen before. So, uh, first, first off the bat, uh, Captain Marvel, which it's, it's been out, uh, about a week and a half now. Um, oh, I'm, I'm driving from one of, I'm driving from one of my jobs in Peabody, Massachusetts to, uh, the, the, uh, Red Wing Superior headquarters where we record the News of Our Demise podcast. Um, on the fly, and it's funny because I swore because Duncan, the producer, gives me a hard time about the audio quality of these when I'm recording in my car, uh, and I swore I was gonna find time this week to record this one, and then I I had recorded a another episode of the This Is My Truth Tell Me Yours podcast this morning in Peabody, Massachusetts, so I didn't have time to get it done during the day, so I am doing it now. Um, yeah, I've actually been thinking about these movies all week, but hadn't really found the time. I've been working seven days a week for the last six weeks, so it's now 17th of March, St. Patrick's Day. My last day off from any job was February 2nd, so not complaining, uh, all by my own choice, just trying to get some stuff tucked away, but that is, uh, that's my reality right now, so... I, I get these in wherever I can, and sometimes it's an hour-long drive north on 95 North in uh, Massachusetts to New Hampshire. Anyway, so I saw Captain Marvel on opening day. Uh, I thought it was great. I really liked it. Uh, I was excited to see it. It was one of the movies, probably the three movies I'm most looking forward to this year were Captain Marvel, and then Avengers Endgame, which is coming out next month, and then Star Wars Episode Nine, which we still don't have a title for right now, but that doesn't come out till December. So I went in wanting to like this, expecting to like it, and it was better than I expected. It was a lot of fun. Um, first and foremost, I, I'm a big fan of Brie Larson, the actress who was cast to play Carol Danvers, aka Captain Marvel, and uh, not a big spoiler, but uh, they, they don't call her. She's never once referred to as Captain Marvel in the film. And, um, you know, it, it plays kind of loose with the history of the character Captain Marvel. It kind of combines some different origins from... Because there have been a few different people that have uh, carried the name Captain Marvel in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which the Marvel Universe, the Marvel Comics, are named after Captain Marvel, but not after... Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel. Um, it it is the twenty second film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but it is the first female led solo film, uh, which you know much has been made about that. Uh, it is I you know it's definitely past due, uh, but much like uh, 
you know, DC released Wonder Woman, I believe, in 2017, and that was applauded, and that was good. This is much. This is a much better film than Wonder Woman. Um, really good acting. Uh, the the pacing was tight. It, you know, it was just it just edged over two hours. It was like two hours and four minutes, including the credits. So you know, if you're not one of those people that stays to watch the credits, it's an under two hour movie. Uh, moves along fast. It's not super heavy. Uh, it, you know, if you'd seen the Avengers. Uh, uh, Infinity War that ends on a pretty heavy note. It's pretty heavy throughout, and um, this is not that. I mean, this isn't as light as the Ant Man movies. Are certainly not uh, not as light as Deadpool. Even though technically, I know those are not Marvel Cinematic Universe films. That is still a Marvel character, but it's light. It's fun. You know, it's set in 1995, so it's really. I can't say it's a it's a prequel to all the Marvel movies since Captain America: The First Avenger takes place during World War II, except for the last ten minutes of it. But um, Carol Danvers is teamed up with Nick Fury through most of it, played by Samuel L. Jackson, uh, and this is a pre losing his eye. Samuel Jackson's a pre hardened by working for Shield for twenty five years, so he's still um, somewhat taken aback when he sees fantastical things you know it's we learn that Captain Marvel is his first experience with a superhero and you know it kind of explains that and his role in S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, uh, a great great performance by Ben Mendelsohn who plays Talos uh, one of the Skrulls uh, you know in effect the, the lead Skrull in this story and you know, they, they do some cool stuff with the Kree Skrull War storyline from the 70s Marvel comics. And um, if you're not familiar with that storyline, that's good because they do some different things, but also um, there's some, some surprises in this movie that uh, it, it's not a just by the books comic book movie. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, it is a comic book movie, but there are some interesting things. It was great to have. A not just a strong female lead, but several strong female characters in the film, and the fact that they were women was never it was never made a big deal about. Uh, it was never showy, or there never was a gimmick of I can't believe a woman could do this. The only time that that kind of there was a little nod to that was there is a fight scene that uh, no doubts I'm just a girl plays over it, which was a little eye rollish, but the soundtrack all in all was very almost all 90s rock songs so uh, it fit in with that but I'm not a big No Doubt fan anyways and I'm certainly not a fan of that song even in 1996 which is when that song was released by the way fun fact not 1995 but in 1996 when that came out uh, within two, two listens of that song I thought it was cloying and annoying so Having heard it for the last 23 years um, fairly regularly, it has not aged well. But other than that, um, no big deal was made about the fact that uh, Captain Marvel, you know, the superhero of this film, is a woman. It's She's a superhero, and, you know, the fact that she's a woman doesn't just play into it. Um, 
yeah, Brie Larson gave a great performance. You know, Samuel L. Jackson's always, always fun. Um, like I said, this is a different Nick Fury than he's played before. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, I'm sure he'll show up in the Avengers movie at some point. Um, that's all I'll say about that as far as any sort of spoiler if you haven't seen Avengers Infinity War. But, um, and then he will pop up again in Spider-Man Far From Home later this summer. Uh, I'm trying to think who else was in it. Uh, Jude Law was in it. He was decent in it. Uh, Juman Husu reprises his role from Guardians of the Galaxy, as does Lee Pace. Uh, they play characters that they played in Guardians of the Galaxy, but, you know, 25 years beforehand. And, uh, yeah, um, just, it was fun. If you're not a, if you're not a superhero slash comic book fan, this is not going to win you over. Uh, it's, it's, you know, as far as the Marvel movies go, it's very much in the vein stylistically as the Guardians of the Galaxies movies, though it's not as jokey, uh, but it, it, it's a science fiction superhero movie. Lots of technology, uh, some, you know, some green aliens, so on and so forth. But uh, they did some really interesting grounded stuff with the Skrulls, and uh, yeah, it wasn't the, the 90s nostalgia wasn't as ridiculous as I was expecting it to be. It was fairly, uh, it was fairly accurate, um, saying that as someone who was... I was 21 in 1995, so I definitely remember it pretty well. And uh, the styles and looks uh, were pretty much on, on point with it. Um, yeah, like I said, I really like this. Uh, I'm hoping to see it again. I would give Captain Marvel a solid 7 out of 10. Uh, the next movie I saw, it's called Sleeping with Other People, and I don't 100% remember how I had heard about it, because I watched it on Netflix, but it's not, you know, it, like I said, it's from 2015, um, It's and it's a romantic comedy, but it's a really smart, really good romantic comedy. Uh, Jason Sudeikis and Alison Brie play at the beginning they're you know they're college students who end up losing their virginity to each other and then they meet back up you know in an indeterminate amount of time later my guess is it's probably supposed to be about 10 years later given their actual ages but um and they become friends and they've both had are having sort of not great luck in their own romantic relationships although um uh, Jason Sudeikis' character is, you know, he, he's called a womanizer in the film. He, he sleeps with a lot of different women. Um, and, you know, he doesn't really have a problem with that with that term either. And then Alison Brie's character is hung up on the relationship she has with a married man, a doctor, uh, played by Adam Scott. And uh, all the characters, um, from the leads to their friends to their you know, would be significant others are, are played very, very realistically, not movie camp. You know, even Adam Scott, who, who's an actor I like, uh, probably most well known for, uh, being on Parks and Recreation, but he's been in a lot of stuff. He plays a fairly unlikable person in this film, but there's still a humanity to him that, uh, you know, makes you not completely despise him. Uh, my 
my favorite part of the film is uh, Jason, Jason Manzukis plays the best friend of Jason Sudeikis' character. Uh, they're working for a tech company, and, you know, I'm a big fan of Jason Manzukis anyways. He's most well-known playing Rafi on The League, but he also co-hosts the How Did This Get Made podcast. Um, he, to me, he's one of the funniest comedic actors working these days. You know, I hesitate to call him a comic because I don't. I don't believe he does stand-up comedy. But uh, I mean, he's so he's very quick-witted. Uh, most of the time, he's filthy. It was interesting to see him play a character different than what he normally plays in this. Um, and also, there's a really, really great performance from Amanda Peet in this movie. Uh, Amanda Peet's an actress who I, she's always delivering solid work, and I don't think she gets enough credit for being a really solid working character actor. I mean, usually male character actors are celebrated and they're usually kind of schlubby guys or, you know, bearded guys or whatnot. And uh, maybe the fact that Amanda Pete's a, a really beautiful woman, it, it, she doesn't get credit she deserves as a character actor, but she's fantastic and um, gives really solid performance in this. It was funny it's dirty, but it's not um, disgusting the way a lot of comedies are, and it it's a very realistic romantic comedy. I mean, you can probably figure out 20 minutes into it how it's going to end, but the journey to get us to the end takes a lot of unexpected turns, and like I said, it, it was funny. I, I was expecting nothing of this. I had heard about it through a podcast. It was Honestly, it was probably Jason Manzoukas talking about a film that he had worked on, uh, on his podcast and mentioned it. And so I decided to check it out. And, uh, uh, I know my buddy Greg does not like Jason Sudeikis. He thinks he's one of those just generic people, but there's actually a really good performance from him in this as well. So, you know, if, if you're bored and want to watch it on Netflix, I say, check it out. Um, I, I, I give sleeping with other people also a, a solid seven out of 10, um, an above average, romantic comedy that I definitely recommend for people who don't normally like romantic comedies. And then the last two films were some more River Phoenix films. I've actually watched an additional two River Phoenix films, but I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about those in the next episode. So I watched I Love You to Death, uh, which I had seen several times before. Um, I worked for Best Buy for 11 years, and oftentimes when I was on lunch break, at Best Buy, you know, in the break room, Comedy Central would be on. And this is a movie that Comedy Central played a lot. My guess is because it was not a financial success, it was probably pretty easy to get the rights to play it. And Comedy Central, for a long time, would play movies over and over and over again. So, the way I saw it, probably, I, I didn't see the movie from start to finish for a couple years, I would see 20 minutes here, a half an hour here, and it was at various points. But uh, the premise basically is uh, Tracy Ullman is married to Kevin Klein. Kevin Klein, uh, who plays uh, a guy who owns a pizza joint in, I believe they're in Washington, but it's not, it's not Seattle. And he is a Lothario. He he steps out on his wife all the time, but she doesn't know about it. Um, and, you know, 
they both work in the pizza joint, and he also owns an apartment building above the pizza joint, and he sleeps with a lot of the tenants. So, you know, they'll call him to get, you know, for him to quote-unquote work on their plumbing, and he'll go up and sleep with them, and then, you know, so on and so forth. Uh, River Phoenix plays uh, Devo, who is works at the pizza joint, is, is very much in love with Tracy Ullman's character, even though she is married, and knows that uh, Joey, Kevin, Kevin Klein's character, is sleeping around and tells her, but she doesn't want to believe it until one day um, when she does find out and she's heartbroken and decides she wants to kill Kevin Klein. So she goes about um, several different ways of trying to end his life. She tries poisoning him. She tries blowing up his car. She tries, you know, eventually she hires people to shoot him. Um, the, the, the would-be assassins are played by William Hurt and Keanu Reeves and uh, just bizarro roles. They're, uh, they're, it, the cast is great in this movie. It, it's I can't say that the movie is great. I, it, I've got a soft spot for it in my heart just because I've seen it so much and I like pretty much everyone that's in this movie. But it's not a great movie. This movie is also written and directed by Lawrence Kasdan. And uh, it was funny. I never realized that he was the writer-director when I saw it all those times at Best Buy. It wasn't until I sat down this time to watch it that I saw that. You know, it was not long after I had watched Wyatt Earp. So I I softened a little bit of my harshness of him. But I I really want to revisit his movies, uh, you know, Grand Canyon and the big chill to really see how he is with his non-period films. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, and this is purportedly based on true events, but it's very, like, there was a woman who, who attempted to kill her husband multiple times and was unsuccessful and they did end up staying together, staying married. And, uh, you know, that's sort of a spoiler for this story, but this movie came out in 1990. So if you had an interest in it and haven't seen it by now, sorry. Um, but you know, it's not bad. It's just kind of a meh movie. It's, you know, it really, for me, it's right on the line between a five and a six, uh, five to me sounds like it's, it's worse than it is better, but there's nothing wrong with this movie. There's just nothing great about this movie either. Um, the cast is fantastic, but they're pretty much wasted. Uh, so, you know, having gone through quite a few of River Phoenix's films already, for someone who is kind of has legendary status at this point, he hasn't been in a lot of amazing films. Uh, He's usually at least good in them. Uh, he's, you know, he's fine in this. This is this is a lighter role for him. It's kind of a kind of a fun part. It's clearly seemed like uh, he was having a good time, and you know, this is the first of two films that he did with Keanu Reeves. Um, this is decidedly much lighter than uh, my own Private Idaho, Gus Van Zandt's film, which I'll I will watch eventually, but. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I give, I love you to death, like a five and a half. I don't really do half stars cause 
it's a 10 point rating system that I do it on. So, uh, all right, I guess I'll commit it. I'll give it a six. I'll give it a six. Um, if you like Kevin Klein, he does a really over the top Italian accent and, um, you know, but I like Kevin Klein. I like Tracy Ullman. I like everyone. I mean, it's almost worth watching just for Keanu Reeves and William Hart's ridiculous burnout would be assassins. But again, not a great script. And yeah. And then the last movie that I watched was, uh, Indiana Jones and the last crusade, uh, this came out in 1989, the summer of 1989, which was pivotal for me uh, as a as a 13-year-old. Uh, it came out at the end of the summer, the beginning of the summer. Tim Burton's Batman, the first Batman with Michael Keaton, came out. And this was an awesome summer for me. I just, I loved that. I loved this movie. I, um, I know this is going to be heresy to some people because I'm, I'm a big Indiana Jones fan. Well, at least the first three films. But... Um, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade is my favorite of the films. I know Raiders of the Lost Ark is a better film, but I had only seen bits and pieces here and there of Raiders of the Lost Ark when I saw this. I had seen Temple of Doom at a friend's house, and it scared the crap out of me. It's a much darker, it's a gorier film, and this returns, I'd say of the entire saga, this one has the lightest tone, it's the most fun uh, and you know the, the the relationship between Harrison Ford's Indiana Jones and uh, Sean Connery's Henry Jones is great, you know it's this is the the gang's all here episode, you know, Denholm Elliott and Jonathan Rhys Davies from Raiders of the Lost Ark are back in this movie um playing Sala and uh, Marcus Brody. And, you know, it's just... They're characters we love uh, played again. And, you know, if anything, you know, Marion Ravenwood had been in this instead of the fourth Indiana Jones movie probably would have made it perfect. But it made sense having Allison Doody play, you know, an Austrian uh, Nazi co-conspirator but this is one of my favorite popcorn films of all time it's really impossible for me to rate it uh, objectively um, because it's one of those you know I'd probably give this a 9 out of 10 is this movie really worth that no Uh, but it's still it's a really fun you know family adventure film Uh, it's aged pretty well you know some of the effects look a little corny primarily when in the in the prologue part where River Phoenix plays a young Indiana Jones and he's on a he's on a train trying to escape from uh, bandits I don't know if they're bandits but he, he you know if you haven't seen the movie the beginning he finds some guys who have found some buried treasure and he rescues it because he believes it should be in a museum and then they chase him and he uh, he ends up on a train, a circus train, and goes through all the circus cars. Uh, most of, if not, actually, I think all of the animals in this, in, on the train, are animatronic or, or, or fake, which you can tell some of them. Uh, I mean, the lion's not fake, but the way it's shot, you can tell uh, River Phoenix was never actually in the same place with the lion at the same time. But, um, you know, nonetheless, it's it's... It's a lot of fun, you know, that little sequence you see some of 
Indiana Jones trademarks first get exposed. Uh, you know, from the scar on his chin that Harrison Ford actually has to his fear of snakes to where he gets his fedora from. So it's great. You know, it, it's, you know, River Phoenix, even though he gets his name above the above the, the credits or before the title, uh, I should say, in the credits, uh, he's only in the first 15 minutes of the movie. But um, does a great job. And this was the second of two films that he had done with Harrison Ford the first one being the Mosquito Coast. So in this one, he plays a younger version of Harrison Ford. And then the Mosquito Coast, he plays his son. So, you know, um, I don't know if Harrison Ford recommended him for this part or if Steven Spielberg saw him in the Mosquito Coast and thought it was, you know, be good or was just a River Phoenix fan and put it in there. But of all the, of all of the films in River Phoenix's filmography, this is the one that's really not a River Phoenix film at all. Like I said, he's in the first like 15 minutes of the movie, but it is a great film and I'm always looking for an excuse to rewatch any of the first three Indiana Jones movies, this one being no exception. So yeah, um, if you haven't seen Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade, what's wrong with you? And you should watch it. It's a lot of fun. Uh, you should watch all three of the first three Indiana Jones movies and avoid Kingdom of the Crystal Skull like the plague because it's terrible. But yeah, so next week I will be talking about the Mosquito Coast as well as Silent Tongue, which was one of River Phoenix's last films, and uh, hopefully see a new movie or two this week as well. I'm in the middle of watching uh, a Netflix original film, so and I don't remember the name of it, so I'm not going to mention it here because. Yeah, I don't remember the name of it. I just started it, but uh, hopefully talk about that, and hopefully you'll see at least one, if not two, movies in the theater this week. So, yeah, as always, thank you for listening. Um, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook if you if you don't. Uh, it's For the Love of Film podcast on Facebook, and it's actually linked to the This Is My Truth, Tell Me Yours Instagram page on Instagram. So if you look for that, you'll find it uh, as well. So thank you as always for listening.